Bittersweet. Okay, um, so we're starting a new series today that uh, I kind of feel like requires quite a bit of courage uh, for me because this is uncharted territory. Maybe easy for some of you guys, but this is uh, kind of abnormal for a pastor to go through this kind of curriculum with his church. And so I'm going to give you a significant date, if you would, if you have your smartphones with you. If you could um, put in your calendar right now a specific date for me, uh, it would be helpful. The date is May, Brady, I hope that Brady's here and he could uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the date is May 5th, that I want, it should be a Saturday, does anyone see that? May 5th is a Saturday, great, then I'm correct. May 5th is going to be a great day because May 5th will be the finish of this series. We're going to start a series called Freedom, and uh, it's going to end with a day of prayer um, and worship. And what that day is going to look like is um, we, our whole staff just went through this. This is nothing that I, I'm not asking or saying anything about anyone else that I also don't believe that I need first. I want to make sure you understand this. I am first in line for what we're going to do together. It's going to finish on May 5th. But what I have found in the body of Christ and what I have found in my own heart is that there are things in my life that trip up my ability to stay consistent in my relationship with Christ. Has anyone else ever found this before? And so what we're going to do on May 5th is we're going to have a whole day of worship and a whole day of prayer. It's going to be powerful. You're not going to have to do much but just be there. Uh, we're going to have other people there to pray uh, over you and with you. But I believe it's going to be really powerful let me, re no, that's not true. I, I believe that this is going to be life-changing, life-altering. Um, it's going to be massively empowering. There's a lot of churches that wouldn't do anything like this. It's not going to be weird. I promise I've taken all the weird stuff out of this, that it's just going to be set up so that way someone can pray with you about a situation that you deal with, that I deal with, that my wife deals with, that Brady and Lacey deal with, that the, our elders deal with. Life happens. I don't know if you know this. If you have children, it happens much more for you than it does to anyone else. Your, your, your kids will refine you. Anyways, um, so May 5th is going to be the culmination of this series, and I want to start by saying where we're going uh, over the next couple weeks, I'm going to need as many people in our church to go with us. Uh, I kind of feel like Moses right now, kind of telling everyone, all the Israelites, we've got to go. Now we've got to pack up and we've got to go. God is giving us our promised land. And so what I believe that's happening, I'm going to get there in a second, but we, we need, I, I think something powerful happens on Sunday mornings when we come together and we worship. Um, there's a, 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 a presence of God that is just wonderful. But I'm honest to God, before I'm a pastor, and those people that have known me for years know that I've been a much better student of Jesus than I've been a leader of Jesus. I'm sorry, for your sake. But I want to know who Christ is, and I've learned far more about Jesus in circles than I ever learned on a row. What do you mean by that? I mean that, uh, thanks for listening, thanks for coming today. Yeah, I'm honored, I'm tickled. But I believe that you're going to learn more, not from what I say on Sunday morning, but from what you talk about in a circle about your relationship with Christ. It's relationships change the way you view God, the way you see God, the way you experience God. You have to take this faith and interact it with other people. Otherwise, I, pr I can promise you, it will die out in you. I'm not, I'm not saying that threateningly. I, I know from experience, but I've seen countless people struggle in their faith to the point where it, they believe 
but they don't, they, they, it, it's, they don't know anymore. And what happens in a circle is you come with a thought. You come discouraged. You come uh, broken on occasions or often. And people around you say, no, that's not right. That's, no, this is, this is truth. And it lifts you up. Oftentimes, our perspective of ourself is what keeps us struggling. I'm telling you, man, because he's all, the price has already been paid. Amen? Like, is there anything that Jesus did not do for us? Now it's just a matter of learning to walk in some of these things. And I believe that it's, so I'm going to tell you what, what's happening moving forward and where we're going, and I'm going to start the message. Wednesday nights, we're changing the way that we do um, uh, connect groups. Connect groups now is going to be on connect night, which is Wednesday evening. What's going to happen is typically we're going to start with a little bit of worship, and then um, we're going to break up into, into, into tables in the room and in the church and meet with some of this curriculum that we have for all of us. If you have children, we are going to have a kid's service where they learn and grow in Christ on Wednesday nights. Does that make sense? If you have youth, we have a service that will be happening for them where they will learn and grow in Christ. What I'm excited about is a lot of the college students said, we're in. So we're going to make Wednesday night an opportunity for your kids to come and be around other, other older kids where it's cooler, it's funner, it's easier to learn. Does that make sense? Connect Nights is going to be on Wednesday night. Now, I work on Wednesday nights. I can't make it. Wednesday nights is crazy for me. That's great. Here's the deal. Uh, turns out, we, you don't have to come to church to grow in Jesus. I don't know if you know this. But you can make your own circle anywhere you want. You can connect with other people about Christ and conversation with Jesus anywhere you want. So if you can't make it on Wednesday night, my wife, the most beautiful and attractive girl in every room she's ever gone in, I don't know how this works, she, um, she, uh, it, you can talk to her and she'll help you set up your own Connect team event anywhere you want to be. If you want to do it on Wednesday morning before work, well, let's do it. I'll join you. Um, and listen, we want to be where you're at. We want to empower you to get this deep down. I'm telling you, I believe with every fiber of my being, you need this. I need this. I'm going to grow in the next 13 weeks. Again, I just grew in the last 13 weeks. And what God has been doing in me because of this has been rad. And I really want you to experience this as well. We cool? We all in the same? Awesome. Did I say all that right? All right, fantastic. Cool. Most of the time I miss out like the most important detail, you know. And so uh, this Wednesday night is going to be different. There are going to be a few nights where there is going to be a, a teaching that happens on a Wednesday night. And this first week will be a, t a video teaching, and then we will break up into groups. We're going to have pizza here for everyone this Wednesday. So if you don't even want to come for a connect group, you just like free food, fantastic. I'm telling you it's going to be good. I, 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 but I believe that the, one of the breakthroughs in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your home is going to come from content that we're talking about in the next 13 weeks. And I just need you with me on this. Like you may not like it, you may not agree with it, but I'm telling you, I believe it's going to be really, really good for you. And you can check out after week six, but you'll miss out, I'm telling you, on something awesome. My daughter is here today, and I've asked her to join me in uh, an illustration that I thought of for you guys. And so uh, Mia Joy, the second most beautiful girl in the room, uh, would you come? And so uh, Mia Joy, I need you to come stand over here with me real quick. Would you come just stand up here we, on this chair right here? Awesome, awesome. Man, you look so beautiful. You look so beautiful. I mean, what are you doing wearing these chains? I mean, you just look 
so silly wearing these chains. Some of us were singing this song, and we were thinking to ourselves, that's so stupid. Like, what, this is, what is this all about? Is this even real? Someone said once that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. Man, you know what's crazy? Is there are Christians that believe that Jesus is Lord and don't give any credit to the enemy of Jesus Christ. Man, I don't know about you. This is not about the devil, though. You're going to see. Here we go. Mia, I'm going to read a verse real quick, and I'm going to talk to you about Mia Joy here for a second. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Can you say this with me? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. I have found this to be true in my own life on multiple occasions. And you have found this to be true if you're honest with yourself. But it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Mia, will you do some jumping jacks for me right there on the chair? What's wrong? I can't. Why not? Just come on, do some jumping jacks. Mia, it'd be a lot easier if you didn't have these on. Let me take these off. You're supposed to say no. It's all right. Mia, will you give everyone, uh, can you ever give her a round of applause, please? All right, thank you, baby. You know what I, I thought of? My, my wife helped me think about this a few weeks ago. We were just talking about life, and she had said, you know, it's so funny how... We're adopted, right? Jesus, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you weren't born into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus saved you. He picked you out of a lineup and said, you are mine. You're mine. You are mine. And there's not many people that understand this concept. One of my best friends, Dustin, he was adopted. And, and he'll always talk about how crazy the love of God is because he understands what it means to have been rescued and, and trained up by someone that loves him and wants the best for his life. I don't know if you understand that we were sinners and he put his robe around us and called us his son and daughter. And when I think about this, it blows my mind because it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. In other words, he saved us and yet we go through these patterns where like, it's so hard for us to believe for anything in our life because we feel disqualified for what he wants in our life. Maybe I'm the only one that's on. You guys might have to help me preach this sermon today because I feel like I, there's been a lot of moments in my life where I feel like I'm a dog with fleas and I don't qualify to come live up in daddy's house. It's hard sometimes. So I'm going to tell you about two quick stories that I thought about when I, when I think about it. it's for freedom that Christ has set us free, that we've been adopted into the kingdom of Jesus. My, my son is, is, is one great illustration, and his best friend, who my son is seven, and his best friend, his name is Kai, he's also seven. And I'm going to tell you about two quick stories about two boys that I know that struggle in their identity and what God wants them to do in their life. Kai loves to play sports. He does love it. He doesn't have as much athletic ability as other kids do. I know it's crazy. Uh, and so when he would go and he would play baseball, he would get up in the batter's box, for those of you that came to the game and watched, and he would swing like this. And he'd be so discouraged, and he'd be so mad, and he felt like uh, inside that he was a failure. And his dad would come to him every day and say, Kai, 
You are not a failure. I'm so proud of you. You got up there. You tried. You did Just give your best. That's all I want is your best. All I want from you is your best. And what I realized is that in, Kai got something in his head that he wasn't, he wasn't good. He couldn't do it. Like he, and he felt like he wasn't a good enough son. And so he lost the confidence to stand in the batter's box. My son, his best friend, same problem. Except my son happened to be athletic. Kai is a genius. My son has the opposite effect. He's not a genius, okay? But he can play sports, like with the best of them. But he is—he happens to be—he struggles in the capacity. And so there was a few times that his teacher would call us and say that Micah was crying at school today because he didn't know his spelling words. He's crying. And I'd say, son, what's wrong? Like, don't you understand that you are my son? You can't possibly fail as long as you give your best. But somewhere inside of us, we've got this mentality that is, and we think like, oh, chains, freedom, like that's only for addictions. No, I'm telling you, it's happening to everyone here. In finances, confidence at work, confidence in your marriage, it's happening in all different scenarios that the enemy is lying to us that you're not good enough and that you can't, and it's preventing your best effort. And the only, that you can't do anything to make God love you more. He picked you. He wants you. You're good enough for him. And some of us have put these chains on like I suck at life. And I suck at everything that I do. And I'm sorry you're going to suck as long as you want to hang on to those things. Because the reality is, it's for freedom that he set us free. You know, I've talked to a few um, people that have been through the military. My father went through the military, and, uh, and I know many other people that went through the military. And they, it, it, it burns them inside to see what they went to fight for. And when they come back and they see the way some people live their life, I think it burns Jesus to realize how hard he fought for you. And then not necessarily that you're struggling. I don't think that that bothers him. I, I, I'm a father, and my son struggles at learning how to ride the bike. I'm not angry with him. But there are, our mentality of who we are and where we are in that journey can frustrate the tar out of someone because you're good enough just the way you are. Like just the way you are, you're good enough. The reason for change is to make the relationship easier and better. Mm, okay, I've got to start the message here. That was the intro. <laughs> it's for freedom that Jesus set us free. I know there's a lot of people that believe that the enemy doesn't exist, but I'm, I'm telling you, God has a plan for your life. And the more the enemy can make you feel like you need to do something to qualify for God's love, the worse you're going to feel about yourself and the more it's going to prevent you from walking in any confidence, not in what you're capable of doing, but in who you are. My point number one today is enjoy life. Enjoy Jesus. We're talking about freedom today and that Christ has set us free. Enjoy Jesus. I want to read you a verse. This is in Galatians. Now, when Paul would write these letters, he would write them to churches. So imagine that this isn't the book of Galatians. Imagine that it's the book of the way. And he's writing to the Wake Community Church. And the Wake Community Church is having this, this really big problem. And Paul knows it. He knows that they're struggling with it. And listen to what he would say. Verse 4. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. Stop. He's talking about people that have got it in their head that they had to become circumcised in order to be a Christian. 
This was a Jewish ritual where if you were converted, if you were not a Christian, in order for you to become a Jew, if you were not a Jew and you wanted to become a Jew, even if you were like 35 years old, ladies, close your ears. Guys, you got to come up and drop your pants. It's terrible. Can you imagine the reality of wanting to convert to Judaism back then? Like that's a cost that you don't want to pay. You know what I'm talking about? I'm so glad Jesus paid the price for us. Woo, man, snip, snip, terrible. These guys are old in their age. And what Paul's saying is, look, you don't have to do that to become part of the team. Jesus did it for us. Now, this applies to a lot of different levels in our life that I'm realizing is happening right now in some of us. Verse 5, let me, let, me read, let me read verse 4. You are trying to be justified by the law. You're trying to be justified by the things that you can do for Jesus. But you've been alienated from Christ and you've fallen away from grace, what you didn't do to earn it. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ, Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith. It's expressing itself through love. And so what I realized, the only thing that counts, Paul says, to the way community church, the only thing that counts is faith. It's expressing itself by love. And there's a lot of people here that say, you know, I'm, I, I'm a Christian. I go to this church the way. but I'm not good at prayer. And I feel terrible about it. You know what, I'm not good. I'm not, I can't tell anyone about Jesus, and I feel terrible about it. I'm not good at, at reading my Bible, and I feel terrible about it. Anyone else ever? Go- reading your Bible doesn't make you a better Christian. Bottom line, I'm sorry. Some people may not like this, but I'm telling you, you don't have to read your Bible to be a better Christian. Yeah, no, no, I mean, to be a better Christian, it would be helpful, but you don't have to. He picked you. He loves you. He wants you. Bottom line. You don't have to pray better to be a greater Christian. This is faith expressing itself in love. The fact that you want to is what God makes God want to stand up on the inside and applaud. It's the reality that like watching your son fall off the bike, you're trying it, you're doing it, you're doing such a good job. The wanting, the kingdom of God is built on your heart. So the wanting is fantastic, but the disqualifying you of yourself is the thing that's got you in shackles. The mindset that you have to pray in order for God to accept you is awful because he just wants you. He just likes you. I don't understand it. I, he just, he, he thinks you're attractive and cool and you've got this weird personality and he's all about you. He just likes you. But there are people that think that they have to reach this level of prayer. They have to reach this level of faith and boldness and tell this many people about Jesus and when I'm, the only thing that matters is faith, it's expressing itself in love. And what that looks like is, God, I want to pray more. Fantastic. Then, now you got it. I want to know you. That's why I want to pray. Good. I don't care if you fell off the, off, the, off the bike. I don't care if you haven't prayed for two weeks. Listen, the fact that you want to moves him. And I know because I'm a father. I've watched my kids fail at everything. This is what they do. They can't get the spoon to their mouth. You know what I'm talking about? It's all over the floor. I'm a dad. But I love that that they'll try, you know, they they make a mess, and they'll try to clean it up. I'll get it, Dad. And it just makes it so much worse. And it's like, you know what? You know what? Thanks for trying, guys. Thanks for trying. I, I love your heart. 
faith expressing itself through love is your attempt to want to know him. Remember, the, remember it's the, wanting to pray is something that moves God's heart. But don't disqualify yourself because you haven't obtained this three-hour intercession level like Howard. You're not designed to be like Howard. You, I mean, really. Right, Howard? We're all different. I mean, he's made us all different. And Howard's like, man, I can't believe you said that. Now I feel like i got to go pray three hours. <laughs> he's, he's like embarrassed. I can see his face turning red. Uh, three hours, Howard. Got it. I'm just kidding. Number two, choose life. Jesus. Choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. Many paths, many options. We have so many different things that's being thrown at us in our life right now. But I think if you want to obtain freedom in a greater way, this is something that you're going to have to learn how to do. You're going to have to learn how to choose Jesus. There is, a way that, there is a way that appears right to man, but the end, it leads to death. There is a way that appears right to man, but the end, it leads to death. What I have found is that many of us are still trying to make a way to get to Jesus. We're still trying to find a way that if, if I just do this, then I'm good enough. It doesn't work like that. That's not the way love works. Like Sometimes I don't, I, I don't understand it, but my wife just loves me. And I can be an idiot, I can be, I can miss, I can trip, and she'll ask me to clean the house, and I'll literally clean, like, one part and leave all of the stuff that I use to clean all over the floor, and, like, she loves me, I'm still awesome to her, and I don't understand how that works, or, you know, bad illustration. Um, Galatians chapter 5, same chapter that we just read prior, and I'm going to read, we read verse 6, I'm going to start off in verse 7 and read through 10, listen to this. You were running a good race, but who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion doesn't come from the one who calls you. That kind of persuasion doesn't come from the one who calls you. Who tricked you to thinking like that? Who tricked you into thinking that you had to do or had to become or had to equal a certain amount or had to be good enough? You, that's, that's not what love is. You have to remember, one of the simplistic verses in the Bible is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You didn't have to do anything to become good enough for Jesus to die for you. And so though we do want to be better for him, I don't pray to, to meet a standard. I pray because I want to know who God is, and that's my method. But who tricked you into believing that you had to do or become or that you're not good enough? I want you to know today that that's not the message of the cross that I see when I look at Jesus. When I see his hands open wide, I see him just saying, I feel like he just wants to just do this. You know, come down off the cross and just hold us. And there's some people inside that are fighting to be good at something. And you just, you're at war inside yourself. This curriculum that we're going to do, Freedom, it, uh, it goes through a lot of stuff, man, from, from internal pride to in, like learning how to submit to Christ to unforgiveness and bitterness. It goes through a lot of stuff that can get in the way and make relationship with Christ complicated. And it's not supposed to be complicated. But it's hard to learn in our life to choose Christ. Let me just pray real quick. Jesus, would you help? 
Amen. I, uh, I just know that there is an enemy. And he would love nothing more than to make all of this complicated for us. And relationships can get complicated, you know. It's like it starts off so pure and so easy. And sometimes you can be years into your marriage and, tr- and scratching your head is what, what 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 how is this working? I've sat with couples and they have no they're just they're both saying I love you and it's just they're not hearing it. A relationship with God isn't complicated. I love you. I love you. I think the third thing that would be great for us to learn to do in our lives to to grow in freedom. If you want to, if you want to grab a hold of what your soul and freedom for yourself is, is to remain a student of Jesus. And what I mean by that is that I, I, I always want to continue to learn. I'm not the greatest husband on earth, turns out, but um, I've learned that if I want my relationship with my wife to grow, I've got to be willing to remain a student of who she is and what she's saying and how to, what she wants. And if you've reached a point in Christianity where you've arrived, you're missing it. I think we should want to learn. And I think you should want to learn more. And how do you how do you put your best foot forward? How do you be the best leader for Christ that He can make you? How do how do you grow in leadership uh, in, in, for the kingdom at work, in your home, you know, amongst your kids, amongst your friends, amongst your peers? How do how, what is the best version of me? Let me read you a, a scripture. I think it's pretty awesome. It's in Matthew chapter thirteen, and it's pretty popular. That same day, Jesus went out of the house, and he sat by the lake, and such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. I don't know if you can imagine, but on multiple occasions, there would be thousands of people that would come out to hear Christ. Back then, they didn't have microphones or or speakers. So Jesus had to push off the shore a little bit so that he can have kind of a pitchous voice. A lot of people came to hear him. Not all those people served him. And as he was standing there amongst a lot of people that wanted to hear from him, that was willing to listen, not all those people were willing to change. He knew that. This is the story he would say. He told them many things in parables, saying a farmer went out to sow seed. And he was scattering the seed, and and some it fell along the path, and the birds came down and they ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But then when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and it withered because it had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants, while other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. I love when Jesus says this. And he says, man, it's so cool. Whoever has ears, let him hear. In other words, he's talking, but he's like, look, if you want to get this, you're going you're to have to listen. Do you want to hear what this is about? I'm going to break it down for you. If you've got ears, listen. Man, I love it. Then the disciples came to him and asked, 
why do you speak to the people in parables? You replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to everyone. He's talking to crowds. He's telling them the deal. He said, but not everyone's going to get this. Not everyone's going to want this. Not everyone's going to make change in their life to make this priority. Man, I want this. Anyone else hungry for God? I don't care. Whatever I got to do, I'll cut my arm right off, man. I just give me Jesus. You think I'm kidding. Whoever has been given more, uh, but they will, will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from them. This is why I speak in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear. They do not understand. And it continues here in verse 16. Listen to this. Blessed are all your eyes because they see. Your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you that many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but they did not see it. And they longed to hear, but they did not hear what you're hearing today. I'm going to stop there. What they're saying is that the prophet Elijah would love to just get what, what you're hearing right now. Like people long to, God, if you can explain to me the kingdom of heaven, what is wrong? Why are people not getting it? Why, why don't everyone just love you? Anyone ever wonder this before? I mean, it, it kills me. I think, why, man, Jesus, you're the greatest thing that's ever happened to earth. Why doesn't everyone just love you? Like, why is everyone so stupid? And you know, okay, I'm going to, sorry, sorry, that was harsh. I, I ask that all the time. All right, for truly I tell you, uh, here we go. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes of the, because of the word, they quickly fall away. And the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, they choke out the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on soil, good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred or sixty or thirty times what was sown. Now, what I mean by you being a good student is that I um. Many of us in any of our passions, tell me something that you love to do in this life that isn't spiritual. Anyone? Golf. Video games. Food. I heard food. Not food. Food is a good hobby. Uh, anyone fish? Fishing. Anyone else? Go to the beach. You know the things that you love, and you love to do well. You're gonna study the trade so you can enjoy it more. Uh, those that love to go to the beach, you're going to research and find the best beach stuff to bring with you. The best lawn chairs, the best Bluetooth speakers, uh, the best lotion. You're going to get the best beach ball, the best bathing suit. Because why? Because you want to enjoy it to the max. If you fish, oh man, you're going to get the best lures. They're going to drive them fishes crazy. You know, they just know they're going to go right after it. You're going to learn how to get the, the wrist just right. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I've only fished like three times in my life, you know. But I caught them fishes more. I got some, woo! I, 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 uh, I'm going through this training right now for uh, my job. 
and they're requiring me to go through this training, and it, I got to tell you, I hate it. I hate it because I find no passion in it. But I got to do it because I, gotta, I love my kids, and I want them to eat. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's good. <laughs> so this training that I've got to go to is, it happens to be 15 days uh, 21 days in total, 15 days of actual training, eight hours a day of listening to people talk about why we love this company and how great this company is and how much it's, and I'm like, oh, this is driving me crazy. But you know what I know is that the people that will flourish the most in this company are the ones that are going to buy in hook, line, and sinker to everything that this company is trying to teach them to be the best that they can with the resources that are given them. People are going through training to be great at sales or AC installation and auto mechanics and nurses. And I mean, like there's crazy amount of teaching that's going into this. And what I'm telling you is that many of us, you know what we want to do the most inside our heart? We want to love God all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We, shouldn't we go through some training to learn how we could be the best sons and daughters of God that possible? I mean, like, God, what can I do to make my heart just so right for you? What can I do, God, that I can be the best father and mentor that I can be? What can I do that I can be the best leader for Jesus? Like, what kind of training? What do I got to do that can make my heart fresh soil I'm not exaggerating like this is I want to learn I want to learn to be the best Christian that I can be and here's why point number four I'm going to come back to point number four and say I'm going to read you this verse here Luke 22 31 through 32 it says this man this is a verse don't put it up yet hold on this is a verse that I found to be absolutely true I almost feel like it has happened to me that God has almost told me this verse. I've been a Christian not longer than a lot of folks, but long enough to see Christians fall away. People that love God, not. I've seen people change their entire identity. I mean, I was a man and now I'm a girl. Like, wh wait, what? You, you love God? Your identity is already intact. Where is all this confusion and weird stuff coming from? I've seen, like, the enemy just lie to people and rip apart their faith, their identity, their marriages, steal their houses, their kids, and everything that they work for, everything that they built so that God can do something great in their life. I've seen the enemy come and dismantle people. Suicide, drugs, the worst. I'm going to read you a verse. It happened to one of the greatest apostles in the kingdom of God, Peter. In Luke 22, verse 31 and 32, it says this. Simon, Simon, Peter, Peter. Satan, he asked to sift all of you like wheat. But I've prayed for you. Remember last week we, we shared the verse that Jesus lives to make intercession for his people. He lives to intervene for you. Satan asked for you. Satan asked for you. Some of you have been in car accidents where you knew. Holy moly. If it hadn't been for God. Some of you had some addictions. Some of you, your marriage was in that place, man, had it not been for God. Satan asked to sift all of you like wheat. To just grind you down to nothing. That your identity would be of nothing. But I prayed for you. That your faith would not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brethren. I love it, man. What, a couple of things are happening on this verse. I love that what he's saying is past and future. 
there's a process where some of you are in a season right now where things are just chaotic. You just got to know it's a season. When Jesus is talking to Peter, he says, Satan asked for you. Like he wanted to do some really crazy things in your life. But I'm praying for you. And when you come through, I want you to minister. I want you to ride with you to stick your chest up and tell people what God did in your life. When you come through, in the future, you're going to have to minister. And I love that Jesus, he wasn't just saying it to Peter. He said, he asked for all of you. Whether you want to see it or not, some of you believe that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of man. But you have a hard time believing that the enemy exists. And Jesus is flat out saying it. Satan asked for you. He asked for your soul. He asked for that car accident. He asked for your marriage. He asked for your job. He asked anything that he can get his hands on that would jack you up. But I'm praying for you. And you got to know, these chains that we're talking about, it's real, man. There is real crap happening to people. Real addictions in the house of God right now. Life is real, man. But I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your marriage. I'm praying for your kids. And when you come through, point number four is that you learn to overflow. I think if you want to know freedom, if you really want to know it, there comes a point where you have to be a student, you have to be teachable, and there comes a time where you have to sit at the table and also teach, regardless of your, of your, of your level of, of comfort, of authority. There was an old story I heard a long time ago about this lady, old lady, she was like 90 years old, and she didn't have a whole lot of money, but she wanted to learn to, to play the piano. It was on her bucket list, you know? And she's like, man, I don't have a whole lot of money, but I'm going to get this instructor. He's going to come over to my house, and he's going to teach me how to play piano. So he comes over, and she, she pays the guy like 20 bucks or whatever, and she's like, you know, um, will you teach me? And so he, he teaches her like three chords, and he says, now this week, all I want you to do is practice these three chords. Key, G, D, E minor, flat, you know, whatever, I don't know. And so I'm making this up right now. And so she's playing these three chords all week long, all week long, all week long. And she gives him the 20 bucks, and it's barely all she has. She lives on fixed income. And so the, the, the next, she's, the guy says, hey, man, you did good. Practice this all week long. I'll be back next Tuesday. And uh, on, on, on Thursday, the guy sees an ad in the paper with this lady's phone number on it. And he's like, I know that. And I know that name. And I know that phone number. I know that address. And she says, hey, anyone who wants to learn to play the piano, I'll teach you lessons for 20 bucks. He's like, what in the world? And he shows up at her house next Tuesday, and she's got it down, man. G minor, D, flat, purple, Q, I don't know what. And she's got it down. And, uh, and he says, what's up with you teaching all these other people? And she says, oh, I figure all i got to do is one thing. i just got to learn the one thing that you taught me to learn, and I'll teach that to someone else. And you'll learn it, man. If, you wanna, if, you, if you're willing to talk about what God did in your life, he'll do more. But some people aren't willing to say, God is in the process of setting me free. You want to live in shame, I'm telling you, I've seen it in my son. I've seen it in other people's sons. If you want to wear those chains, you can wear them as long as you want. But I've learned one thing, that it's for freedom that he set me free. I'm not supposed to wear these, 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 these insecurities that, I, that I've somehow picked up. But you want them, you'll still be a son. You'll still be a daughter. But it's for freedom. He wants you to... Be free, man. There's something about the being in the presence of God and just knowing. <sighs> Rach, would you come? This is how we're going to close the service today. 
We're going to take communion together. Uh, we're not going to be able to do it for a few more weeks, and so I wanted to take communion together today. It's for freedom that he set us free. Amen. Would you say that with me one more time? It's for freedom that he set us free. It's for freedom that he set us free. It's for freedom that he set us free. That he set me free. I want to know Jesus. I don't have to do anything to know him. I, 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 all, I, all I knew is I just, God, I just know that I, I, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. I know that I've been a dog with fleas most of my life. And you love me. And it makes me better. People don't know the scumbag I've been in my life. I'm just thankful that you stand before me, God, and you cover me. You're good. You're the best thing going for me. I want to know you more. We have some people here that are going to help pass out the elements here. I'm going to have Rachel sing a song. We're going to be done in about five minutes. The people that are going to pass out communion would go now. She's going to sing a song, and while she sings, someone's going to pass some of these elements. Howard, would you help real quick? Scott, would you help real quick? You may know the song. You may not. You don't even have to sing it. I just want you to know God loves you. And he died for you. And he shed his blood for you. Because he likes you. He enjoys you. He thinks that you are truly special. That you're beautiful. That you're wonderful. And there's nothing you have to do. You don't have to be circumcised again. You don't, ha- you don't have to be great. He loves you just the way you are with all your struggles. Would you sing? With the Spirit of the Lord is. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, sir. There is freedom. With the Spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. To your eyes to heaven there is freedom oh, lift your eyes to heaven oh, there is practice open communion so anyone's free uh, to pursue Jesus they want to be like him I'm going to read you a verse real quick Paul wrote it and I think it's one of the most appropriate verses in the Bible when it comes to communion it says this Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 I want to know Christ yes 
to know the power of his resurrection and to participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I want to know the love that drove Jesus to the cross. And I want to know the power of liberty because of his resurrection. I want to know Jesus. Jesus, I want to know why you died, why you stretched out your hands. I want to know the pain that kept you on the cross. You're God. You could have come off there at any second, but you allowed yourself to remain to pay for my sins. The agony that kept you there. I wanted to keep my heart constant on you. Remind me of the suffering that you endured to win my heart. No one has ever done more for me than you. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for opening the palms of your hands, laying your feet out here. I want to know you. Would you take the bread today? There's power in the blood of Jesus, they said, huh? It still washes, it still cleanses, it still breaks shame, it still washes guilt away, it still flows from Calvary and washes all my sin away. People may remember what I've done, but you don't. I'm so grateful that you see me new. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you that it cleanses and washes and makes me new. love you. Would you partake of the grape juice? Would you sing that again, Rachel?